Hey guys, welcome to the Bitcoin Fortress podcast, helping you increase your financial freedom. This is episode 51, recorded here on February 12th, 2023, Super Bowl Sunday. Trying to get this done early before the big game. This podcast is for entertainment only and is not investing advice, so please do your own homework. Well, we'll start with the market update uh, and outlook and then get into some of the Bitcoin news this week. And I'll finish up with a mention of this week's uh, blog post. Jumping right in, the S&P 500. And by the way, the market updates uh, are, are courtesy of Seeking Alpha, which is why I mentioned uh, some of that in there. The S&P 500 squeezed out a small gain Friday, but still suffered its worst weekly loss in nearly two months as market reaction market action was dominated by concerns about the Federal Reserve. A series of central bank officials declared their willingness to push interest rates higher to tamp down inflation pressures, raising fears that policymakers will stay hawkish longer than previously expected. Perhaps more worrying for investors, corporate earnings seem to be coming a bit on the light side as the number of companies beating Wall Street estimates is lagging the historical average. Meanwhile, yields on the benchmark 10-year U.S. Treasury note rose to their highest in more than a month, following an auction Thursday of 30-year bonds that saw weak demand. For the week, the Dow slipped 0.2% for its second straight weekly drop. The S&P 500 fell 1.1% to snap two consecutive weeks of gains. And the NASDAQ dropped 2.4%. Looking ahead, uh, the week ahead will be dominated by talk of inflation and interest rates with the consumer price index and the producer price index reports due out. The consumer price index report for January is forecast to show a half a percent month over month rise with energy prices higher again. The headline year-over-year inflation reading is expected to drop to 6.2% from 6.5% in December. Food prices are seen bumping up from December, while some cooling with airfares and lodging is anticipated. The inflation reads will be accompanied by a heavy slate of Federal Reserve speakers next week, which will ramp up discussion on the pace of interest rate hikes. Bank of America has a central thesis that inflation will not return to 2% without some material softening in labor market conditions. While Seeking Alpha contributor Demir Tokic warned transitory disinflation could be transitory. The conference schedule heats up next week with the European Blockchain Conference, the AI Summit West Conference, and a key cancer symposium with data and trial results to be presented. Meanwhile, SNAP and Aptiv will hold investor events. It is also that time of the quarter for hedge funds and investment managers to disclose their portfolio positions. As for the earnings slate, key reports include updates from Coca-Cola, Deer, DraftKings, and Shopify. On Seeking Alpha, contributor Leon Locke thinks Cisco will likely meet guidance with its earnings report and benefit from growth in cybersecurity and its transformation to software over the long term. Contributor Daniil Sarita tips Palantir Technologies may beat market exceptions with expectations with its earnings report, but still faces long-term challenges. 
contributors, stocks, and savings think Airbnb's report will be a reminder that despite the tough going for tech, the online travel marketplace continues to deliver for investors. A final wild card to watch next week will be a potential Department of Transportation announcement on a rule change that will pressure Tesla to add competitor chargers to the EV giant's supercharger network. Moving into the Bitcoin news, uh, I should say news and opinion, because some sometimes I like to pick up uh, uh, opinion pieces. Uh, the first one here is from Bitcoin Magazine entitled Bitcoin NFTs Protocol Ordinals Nears 50,000 Inscriptions. I think we talked a little bit about this last week, so I thought it'd be good to have an update on what's going on with that. Uh, and uh, it's uh, posted on February 10th. Bitcoin is nearing 50,000 inscriptions on the Bitcoin blockchain from Bitcoin punks to audio recordings of farts. <laughs> nice. The ability to inscribe data directly onto the Bitcoin blockchain has taken a community by storm. Inscriptions through the ordinal protocol allow users to embed data, usually images, directly onto the Bitcoin blockchain, effectively enabling NFTs on Bitcoin. The mempool, the collection of Bitcoin blocks waiting to be mined and added to the blockchain, has now filled at the time of writing as a result of the increase in block space usage that inscriptions has brought. Debate has raged on in regards to the impacts of the introduction of ordinals on Bitcoin. Bitcoin Magazine's Mark Goodwin released a succinct exploration of the potential impacts that this project could have. Bitcoin is a database with a specified consensus, and there's nothing within ordinal theory nor inscriptions that violates those rules, Goodwin writes. The point being that the mere fact something is a possible use case for Bitcoin does not necessarily mean it is a net good for the users of the system. And yet, Bitcoin is a system of rules, not biases, and the arbiter of validity must remain the code. The worst action to be taken would be one that hastily distorts the hard-fought conditions currently set. Someone could have always simply bought every block in perpetuity. Zach Vol, Bitcoin Magazine Mining contributor, recently explored Ordinal's potential impact for the future of the Bitcoin mining industry in specific, saying Ordinal's are Bitcoin data inscriptions that give miners a glimpse into what the future of Bitcoin MEV could be. Ordinals gives a glimpse of a future where other Bitcoin users introduce creative reasons to demand the same space, which forces these competing users to meet in the fee market for the limited space inside of a block. All in all, the project could have major ramifications on mining and the development of Bitcoin, but what's certain is that inscriptions are not slowing down, at least not yet, not in the current fee environment. This could change as the fee market reflects the dynamics of this increased block space demand. But for now, it seems we're on a one-way track towards millions of inscriptions on the Bitcoin blockchain. So very interesting uh, thing to follow. Um, obviously, with more competition for, for block space, that could improve the profitability for miners uh, in terms of you know raising um transaction fees uh, over the long haul, um, which is kind of interesting. Um, and uh, it is a rules-based protocol. So um, just because somebody comes up with a use case, as long as it is within the rules, 
um, you know, they can do it. So more to come on that. But it is kind of interesting to see how Bitcoin has kind of jumped into this area, which is an area that was sort of um, dominated by um, the, the Ethereum protocol and some of the other uh, shit coins that were launched um, after Ethereum. So um, between this and Bitcoin Lightning payments and then Bitcoin itself as a store of value and uh, a medium of exchange, et cetera, money, um, you know, you pretty much don't need any of the other um, uh, shit coins because Bitcoin can kind of do it all now, which is kind of interesting. So more to come on that. We'll see. Uh, next article here is just a, uh, let's see, this is from Coindesk. This was published on February 9th. Kraken agreed to shutter U.S. crypto staking operations to settle SEC charges. This also, this news also led to big sell-off in um, Coinbase stock and also caused Bitcoin to drop because uh, this was deemed to be bad news for the industry. Uh, Kraken has agreed to shut its cryptocurrency staking operations to settle charges with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, according to an industry source briefed on the matter. The SEC voted on the settlement during a closed-door commissioner meeting on Thursday afternoon, and an announcement may come later in the day, the industry person told Coindesk. A Kraken spokesperson declined to comment. An SEC spokesperson declined to comment after the publication of this article. The SEC confirmed Kraken would shut down its staking services for U.S. customers after the publication of this article. Kraken offers a number of services under its staking umbrella, including a crypto lending product offering up to 24% yield. This is also expected to shut down under the settlement, the industry person said. <clears throat> Kraken's Staking service offered a 20% APY, promising to send customers staking rewards twice per week, according to its website. Bloomberg reported that Kraken was close to a settlement with the SEC over offering unregistered securities on Wednesday. The vote comes a day after Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong tweeted that he'd heard rumors that the SEC would bar retail customers from engaging in staking, the technique of pledging cryptos tokens to run blockchains such as Ethereum. The SEC declined to comment on Armstrong's comments on Wednesday night. Coinbase offers its own staking services. SEC Chair Gary Gensler has previously said he believes staking through intermediaries like Kraken may meet the requirements of the Howey test, a decades-old U.S. Supreme Court case commonly used as one measure of whether something can be defined as a security under U.S. laws. Staking looks similar to lending, Gensler said at the time. The SEC has brought and settled charges with lending companies before, such as now bankrupt lender BlockFi. A Kraken settlement would help Gensler's mission, giving his agency a big win as it continues its efforts to police the broader crypto ecosystem. The majority of people staking on Ethereum, for example, use services, according to Dune Analytics. Crypto markets fell after the publication of this article with Ethereum, the coin secured by proof-of-stake consensus mechanism falling 4.5% within 30 minutes. Uh, and so for the Bitcoin community, this uh, uh, is kind of mixed. I think probably most people are looking at it as, well, you know, if you're just holding your Bitcoin in cold storage and you're not 
trying to earn a yield on it, it shouldn't really matter. And uh, this type of regulation, um, and um, it's certainly not unexpected given you know the fallout from the failure of uh, all of the exchanges and hedge funds and crypto lenders that has been cascading, and I, I would say probably culminated in the collapse of FTX. So this is just the beginning, I'm sure of the regulatory crackdown. Uh, on that same topic, uh, this other article from Coindesk here posted on February 10th, SEC Chief Gensler warns crypto firms to comply with rules after Kraken Shutter's U.S. staking program. <clears throat> U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission Chair Gary Gensler <clears throat> is warning other platforms to take note of crypto exchange Kraken's move to halt its staking service in the country and cough up a $30 million fine. Companies like Kraken can offer investment contracts and investment schemes, but they have to have full, fair, and truthful disclosure. And this puts the investors who watch your program in a better position. That's our basic bargain. We're not complying with that basic law, Gensler said during a Friday appearance on CNBC's Squawk Box. When asked by show host Andrew Ross Sorkin how the enforcement action might apply to other yield earning programs such as crypto exchange, Coinbase's earn program, Gensler said labels, whether a program is called lend, yield, or earn, didn't matter as much as the underlying economics. If somebody's taking their tokens and transferring it to that platform, the platform controls it, and guess what happens if they go bankrupt? You stand in line at the bankruptcy court, Gensler said, taking aim at the string of bankruptcy cases in progress, including that of crypto lender Celsius Network. A U.S. bankruptcy court judge ruled in January that any crypto deposited on the platform as part of its earned program belonged to Celsius and not customers. There's a saying, and this is beautiful, and a lot of people in the Bitcoin community were retweeting this one. There's a saying in crypto that says, not your keys, not your coins. So those other platforms should take note of this and seek to come into compliance, do the proper disclosures and registration and the like, Gensler added. Although the regulator has blocked crypto staking, which lets users lock their assets on platforms in exchange for a reward percentage over time, in the U.S., the firms offering those services may simply continue to do so from other jurisdictions, Sorkin noted to Gensler. Gensler replied, 330 million Americans are clients, adding, Kraken knew how to register. Others knew how to register. It's not just a form on our website. It's just a form on our website. And if they want to offer staking, we're neutral. Come in and register because investors need that disclosure. An SEC official briefing reporters on Thursday said uh, that a crypto company hoping to offer staking as a service as a registered securities offering under the regulator's purview would have to first register as a securities platform before getting the agency's division of corporation finances approval on the product itself. The SEC enforcement action against Kraken had already invited criticism even from within with SEC Commissioner Hester Pierce calling it a paternalistic and lazy move. Most concerning, though, is that our solution to a registration violation is to shut down entirely a program that has served many people well, Pierce said. 
Gensler said the regulator is using all available tools and is talking directly to market participants about compliance and insisted that the regulator is technology neutral when asked if the SEC's goal is to try and keep crypto out of the mainstream financial system. If this field has any chance of survival and success, it's time-tested rules and laws to protect the investing public disclosure for fair and truthful disclosure, Gensler said. Address conflicts and disaggregate these bundled businesses and don't have your hand in the customer's pocket using their funds or your own. Bankruptcy proceedings for collapsed crypto exchange FTX and U.S. fraud charges against its founder, Sam Bankman-Fried, alleged the company had misappropriated customer funds. When asked if a Bitcoin exchange-traded fund would allow investors to access the crypto via traditional exchange platform at market prices, Gensler said he won't say why, but the path forward is well-trodden. Large tech companies like Apple know how to register their offerings. It's a time for this group to do so. The runway is getting awfully short, and we're here to try to protect the investing public, Gensler said. The crypto market shed billions after news of the SEC's impending settlement with Kraken broke on Thursday. And uh, again, um, definitely a lot of action on the enforcement front. And um, I guess all the exchanges and the uh, their products need to take notice that they if they want to do business in the U.S., they're probably going to have to register. Uh, but again, how does that affect Bitcoin? Um, it really doesn't because uh, most of us are just buying Bitcoin and holding it in self-storage, self-custody. Uh, it's possible some of the Bitcoin-only um, companies may have to register. Um, but if they don't provide, uh, you know, yield products... Uh, they may not. Uh, I don't know about lending, though. It's possible that if uh, if they're providing uh, secured lending, that that may require some sort of uh, registration process because um, effectively, you know, you're operating like a bank. So that'll be interesting to watch. Uh, moving on, next article here is from uh, Bitcoinist.com, uh, and it's in titled uh, on crypto and discrimination mississippi passes bill protecting crypto miners rights the passage of a crypto framework in mississippi or the digital asset mining act by the state senate on february 8th represents a step forward in the state's efforts to protect the rights of cryptocurrency miners on february 9th documenting bitcoin tweeted that the mississippi senate had passed a new law titled Right to Mine, that offers a framework for protecting Bitcoin miners in the state. According to the legislation, miners are permitted to install their crypto mining equipment in industrial zones without discrimination. The bill prohibits charging mining companies unfair energy fees. In addition, miners will not be deemed to be money transmitters. State Senator Josh Harkin's measure legalizes the mining of digital assets at home and the operation of mining firms in areas classified for industrial use. Mississippi, which has some of the lowest electricity costs in the nation, is already home to cryptocurrency miners. Nevertheless, the bill asserted that digital mi asset mining has frequently encountered legislative obstacles at the state and local levels. Furthermore, the measure forbids regulating noise from home mining beyond existing limitations, putting requirements on miners beyond those locally applied to data centers or rezoning a mining center without reasonable disclosure and an opportunity to appeal. 
The founder of the Satoshi Action Fund, Dennis Porter, noted that despite the bill's passage, more work remains. The most recent measure take, taken by Mississippi illustrates the growing interest of states across the United States in adopting Bitcoin and incorporating it into their electricity networks. This comes at a time when the U.S. is fast-tracking its efforts to regulate the crypto sector with Bitcoin mining at the forefront of the narrative. Mississippi's measure contrasts with New York's two-year crypto mining ban approved in November and signed into law. At a January conference of the Mississippi Senate Finance Committee, Porter discussed the possibility of crypto miners using abandoned oil and gas wells as a power source. <clears throat> Hashing the process of using a computer's computational power to add blocks to the blockchain is energy intensive. It's as simple as this. The more hashing that takes place, the more cryptos are mined. Meanwhile, China's mining restriction accelerated the clustering of Bitcoin miners in the United States. According to reports, two U.S. mining pools, Foundry and Ant Pool, control more than half of the world's hash rate. Based on data from Find Energy, Mississippi's electricity rates are about 16% lower than the national average, ranking it as, a, as the 16th most affordable state in the U.S. If passed by the Mississippi lawmakers and signed into law by Governor Tate Reeves, the bill would become effective on July 1st. It is one of the more favorable bills regarding crypto asset mining in the U.S. So again, <clears throat> interesting positive news for Bitcoin on the regulatory front. And uh, now with more regulatory news, this time from California, who loves to regulate, uh, is Cointelegraph. Um, this article is called Consumer Federation of California Reattempts to Regulate uh, Crypto Companies. The Consumer Federation of California, a nonprofit advocacy organization working for consumer rights, sponsored a bill that seeks to license and regulate the activities of cryptocurrency exchanges. The legislation demanding regulatory oversight of crypto businesses, the Digital Financial Assets Law, was introduced by Assemblymember Timothy Grayson with the aim of protecting Californians from financial hardship and fostering responsible innovation. Grayson believes that licensure is the next natural step for the crypto industry, adding, and it is equally clear that until we take that step, Californians will continue to be vulnerable to prevalent and preventable financial scams. This marks the CFC's second attempt to license and regulate digital assets and cryptocurrency companies. The bill, AB 39, was first introduced in 2022, but California, California Governor Gavin Newsom vetoed it. If passed, the bill will become law on January 1st, 2025, prohibiting citizens from engaging with crypto businesses until certain criteria are met. AB 39 will license crypto companies under the California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation, ensuring regulatory clarity and investor protection. The bankruptcies and scams of the past year only bolster our collective interest in ensuring basic and foundational consumer protections in this marketplace, which has up to now looked like the Wild West. In terms of anything goes behavior by key players in the cryptocurrency industry, added Robert Harrell, executive director of the CFC, while revealing the intent behind the move. The CFC believes the first hearing of this bill in the assembly will be taken up in April. 
while California politicians try to introduce crypto regulations, the California Department of Motor Vehicles tests the digitization of car titles and title transfers via a private Tezos blockchain. As Cointelegraph reported, the agency wants to have the shadow ledger ironed out within the next three months, according to the California DMV's chief digital officer, A.J. Gupta. Uh, so once again, uh, you know, the federal government is uh, getting active in regulation and uh, California never wants to be left behind. So we'll have to keep an eye on this and see what it means. Um, in particular, I'm thinking from a Bitcoin perspective, what it means for Bitcoin uh, only companies operating in the state of California that might just be, you know, uh, offering uh, Bitcoin and um, custody or no, no custody and and uh, lending and uh, other products like that. So we'll have to watch if you live in California or you can always move, I guess. Uh, and then uh, next up, it's also from Cointelegraph. Um, and this is an update. Uh, El Salvador's limited use of Bitcoin prevents forecasted risks, says IMF. So, of course, IMF came out very strongly against El Salvador adopting Bitcoin as a uh, legal tender and uh, was putting a lot of pressure, saying it was going to, you know, collapse the economy, yada, yada, yada. And now they have uh, uh, some new um a new uh statement out so uh jumping right in the global monetary watchdog has advised el salvador to exercise caution in expanding government exposure to bitcoin due to the speculative nature of crypto markets a february 10th statement from the international monetary fund emphasized bitcoin's risks to el salvador have not materialized yet due to the country's limited use of bitcoin IMF staff paid a visit, recent visit to the country. The IMF stated that El Salvador should address Bitcoin's risk to the country's fiscal sustainability and consumer protection, as well as its financial integrity and stability. It highlighted the importance of acknowledging these risks as Bitcoin's use in El Salvador could grow given it had been recognized as legal tender in the country since September, 2021. El Salvador was urged to rethink its decision to issue tokenized bonds, as the IMF stated it should be eschewed due to its legal and financial risks. The statement noted, given the legal risks, fiscal fragility, and largely speculative nature of crypto markets, the authorities should reconsider their plans to expand government exposures to Bitcoin, including by issuing tokenized bonds. The need for greater transparency from the Salvadoran government was also emphasized regarding both its Bitcoin transactions and the financial situation of its state-owned Bitcoin wallet, the Chivo wallet. This comes after recent news that a legal framework for a Bitcoin-backed bond in El Salvador, known as the Volcano Bond, was established on January 11th. The Salvadoran government said that these bonds would be used to pay down sovereign debt and fund the construction of its proposed Bitcoin city. Bitcoin City is part of El Salvador's plan to continue attracting crypto investors. It was previously noted that a priority for the country in 2023 is to address any possible cryptocurrency-related criminal activity. Guillermo Contreras, CEO of Dito Banks, previously told Cointelegraph on January 6th that the opening of the National Bitcoin Office in El Salvador will function as a central entity to deal with these issues. So it's kind of interesting. Obviously, the IMF doesn't want 
uh, El Salvador to issue the volcano bonds um, because then um, it would allow them to pay off uh, what's owed in dollars to the IMF and then they would be free to raise money without any of the uh, contingencies or controls that the IMF has uh, or puts into place over um, these uh, global south countries that borrow from the IMF. So uh, something else worth watching uh, and hopefully El Salvador continues to motor ahead. I know a lot of people in the Bitcoin community are very excited not only about El Salvador but also Costa Rica down there in, in an area called the Bitcoin jungle where they're trying to build a Bitcoin um, community, um, circular community, you know, where you, you buy and sell Bitcoin, that sort of thing. So some exciting developments down there. And uh, of course, we wish them all the best. And then we'll finish up here with an opinion piece from Bitcoin Magazine. Um, and it's entitled, As its central bank limits cash and pushes a CBDC, Nigeria needs Bitcoin. And this is an opinion editorial by Heritage Faladun, a Bitcoin consultant and computer scientist based in Nigeria. Nigeria, Africa's most populous country, introduced a central bank digital currency, the e-Naira, into its financial system in late 2021, an action that paved the way for different sets of financial policies, regulations, and restrictions from the country's central bank. In an attempt to drive consumers toward alternative options like its CBDC, the Nigerian government has now put restrictions on the amount of cash that can be withdrawn. It has limited cash withdrawal from banks to about $225, which is around 100,000 Naira per week, with a daily limit of about $45. This is another example of how Nigeria's financial terrain has been a roller coaster of economic sabotage since the launch of the e-Naira. In the words of Godwin Emafiel, the governor of the Central Bank of Nigeria, the whole point of the CBDC is to ensure that more people in the country are financially included. If you see, a lot has happened in terms of the evolution of money from commodity to metallic, then paper to plastic, and now we're talking of digital. And so we need to be at a pace where the world is moving. In his view, Nigerians should have found that the CBDC is the solution to their financial predicaments, such as inflation, monetary censorship, rigorous payment rails, epileptic cross-border payment channels, and rigid access to foreign exchange, among others. Not surprisingly, <clears throat> the reverse has been the case, as the situation on the ground in Nigeria right now is gradually moving from banking the unbanked to unbanking the banked. In February 2nd, 2023, just two days after the initial January 31st deadline set by the Central Bank of Nigeria for all Nigerians to return the old Naira denomination of 200, 500, and 1,000 notes, a Nigerian named Oluwasagun Kosamani tweeted, I just spent a thousand Naira for my Naira MasterCard by GT Bank to buy 10,000 Naira cash from a Palm Pay POS. The Nigerian government is intentionally forcing its citizens into a cashless Keynesian economy while they position their surveillance CBDE Naira as final destination. As this example shows, the well-informed Nigerians' youth, which happen to be about 70% of Nigeria's population, understand that these regulations are mostly about financial control. 
They're about pushing a cashless policy in which the government has complete control over all citizens while having the luxury of tracking every single transaction. Judging with the less than half a percent adoption rate on the eNIRA since its launch about 16 months ago, it seems that only government actions such as the cash restrictions that Nigerians are battling with right now will force people toward using the CBDC. Nevertheless, the Nigerians' disposition is visible to the blind and audible as to the deaf as the country regularly tops lists for the highest Bitcoin and crypto exposure. To learn more about the balance between Bitcoin adoption and and being forced toward the Naira, I spoke with a few business owners in Nigeria. Eric Ogbekene, who works in the media and tech industry there and also runs a bespoke men's fashion business on the side, said, the cash swap policy has been ridiculous, to say the least. Today, February 4th, 2023 alone, you could not get any physical cash in the entire Garki ultra-modern market in Abucha, Nigeria. People are unable to take care of little business deals like cash for services, transportation, etc. It's so bad because even the traditional banking applications seem to be overwhelmed by the sudden surge in transactions and cannot cope. I interviewed an over-the-counter Bitcoin liquidity provider named uh, Oluwatilmehin Coyote, popularly known as Pander, by his customers and merchants. How have you been coping with business amidst this new policy and cash shortage, I asked. Bro. Ain't no day easy like that. Oh, but we day push them. If I will be honest with you, he responded in Nigerian dialect. It's crazy. It affected our P2P dealings a bit on exchanges as most transactions keep showing bank network errors. And also there are limits on transactions and high charges. But as you know, Bitcoin will always find a way out for us amidst all restrictions. Although we had low cash access to customer over the counter, we keep pulling the P2P transactions through with Bitcoin and Tether using our existing conventional ways. Mary Imaswen, a Bitcoin podcast host, has tweeted that if vendors were open to accepting Bitcoin payments, we wouldn't have to deal with the craziness happening in the country right now. Sharing her odyssey amid the cash and transaction struggles, Imaswen has experienced people withdrawing 20,000 Naira with 3,000 Naira as the charge being paid to the merchants. She has stated that money is being sold for money right now. Nigeria has always been a cash-based society, and with the current issues, people can't get cash from banks or ATMs. Those who do get cash must pay for it at premium, and the prices for things have skyrocketed. Perplexed as I am by the government's actions, I feel that Nigerians are resilient. It's no wonder that Ray Youssef, the CEO of Paxful, has written that the youth of Nigeria taught me to think beyond the financial systems of the West and look into alternative payments to buy Bitcoin. Nigerians need to know right now that the CBDCs are here and that slowly but surely the government will continuously restrict their access to cash until it's gone and it's fully taken away everyone's financial freedom. Proffering sustainable solutions, the best bet and the only solution for Nigerians toward attaining a decentralized cashless economy is through Bitcoin which is fundamentally different from the cage of financial slavery spearheaded with CBDCs. Bitcoin's blockchain democratizes finance with proof of work by enabling transactions in a distributed, open, and transparent ledger, while CBDCs offers a centralized and closed-source fabric which gives full control and issuance to the government. Until Nigerians decide to intrinsically separate money from state actors, the masses will remain slaves to central authorities. Ultimately, 
This is more of an opportunity for Nigeria to opt out and break the shackles of financial restrictions with Bitcoin. So uh, this is an amazing piece. Um, and those of us in the Western world who are privileged to have the financial system that we have um, should take this as a, a very cautionary tale, and especially since uh, so many of the Western uh, countries are, are either actively working on it or seriously planning uh, CBDCs um, in the future. Um, so uh, again, a great piece. And as usual, I'll put links to all of these in the show notes uh, if you want to read it for yourself. And then lastly, just wanted to uh, share uh, this week's post, I'm not going to go into the details uh, on um, on my uh, Substack, but it's called Libertarians, Austrian Economists, and Bitcoin, Diving Down the Rabbit Hole. So um, check it out. I'll put a link in the show notes for that. And with that, I will thank you for listening to the podcast this week. If you enjoyed the show, please like, leave a comment. Also, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. Oddly enough, it looks like they took me off of Spotify, but uh, I think I'm on still the other platforms. So you can follow my Substack at bitcoinfortress.substack.com, and you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is at Nick Reichert. Uh, and I'm also on Noster if, you, if you're into that. Um, uh, I did post my Noster um, public key on my Twitter feed. Um, you can get it there. And with that, I will talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.